0: Hey guys, welcome back to Mountain Murders.
1: I'm Heather.
0: And I'm Dylan.
1: Hey Dylan.
0: What's up?
1: Are you so excited? I have to tell you guys, I was ready to drop the second part of this motorcycle mayhem mineshaft murder story. Yeah. And I was like a child on Christmas morning. Dylan is sleeping and he wakes up to like my face being what an inch away from your face
0: she's like are you awake and i was like yeah i am now because you're laying on top of me looking at me excitedly hey
1: it's time to record are you ready
0: yeah we got to do this Uh,
1: podcast day
0: but i tell you i have been thinking about that story since we did our first part i just cannot believe that this is not a story that is out there. You know what I mean? Like a bigger story? Well, it's something I would have heard of being in the area all these years.
1: Well, I have to say, I was shopping yesterday, bumped into a friend out in town who is a fan of Mountain Murders. Hey. And she said, when are you dropping part two? I'm ready. I need to know what happened. Yes,
0: I know. And that's what's happening right here, right now. Just oh, like that yeah. old Pepsi commercial.
1: First, I wanted to mention we do have a trivia game tomorrow night, Monday, November the 25th at Frog Level Brewing. I will be hosting. You're going to be there. We are going to kick it off with some true crime questions.
0: Oh, we've got so much fun. Horror movie
1: questions. Yes. Yeah, so join us if you are in the Waynesville, North Carolina area or you're in the western North Carolina. Want to pop by Frog Level Brewing at 630 for trivia, Mountain Murders Trivia.
0: Hello. That's going to be fun. I even took off work to be at that one. I know. So I'm really excited about that.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a really good time, and hopefully we'll have a lot of true crime fans come out, because I feel like I've crafted some great questions. Dude,
0: you were just like smiling to yourself as you were putting that together.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I had a theory that I shared with you earlier, and you're like, I've never heard this before. And I was like, well, yeah, because it's my original theory.
0: Can, let's Can we just,
1: share it with our friends?
0: Let's spit that at our friends and family right now.
1: You would listen to a podcast about the Tex Arcana killer, also known from the film *The Town That Dreaded Sundown*.
0: Yes, I find that it's, uh, I've I've heard so much about that. You know, different in different forms. It's all basically same details. But I've always found that fairly amazing how he just kind of faded into the sunset to never be seen again.
1: Here is a Heather theory for you.
0: I'm, okay. I'm about
1: to drop some knowledge, like we're going to drop the second part of this story, okay? Okay. My theory is the Texarkana killer moved on from Texas to California to become the Zodiac killer.
0: Whoa! Is
1: your mind blown? Yeah. Is your face melted off? Oh, you're a crew such... slut in your front row at Motley Crue. Oh,
0: it's such a mind fuck.
1: Stop! Well, I think there's similarities. I mean, first of all, let's talk about the head covering.
0: Okay. The
1: Texarkana Killer wore, like, the burlap sack.
0: Yeah, it was fucking mask. creepy.
1: Yeah, pretty fucking weird. That's
0: been, like, like bag copied head. so many times.
1: Then the Zodiac Killer wore a very similar-looking head wrap. Okay. Although he added the weird, like, shirt. Yeah. It like he was a Templar knight or something.
0: Yeah. Which
1: could be, like, someone who evolved as yeah, they, they progressed. It could America be. LA. Or
0: it could have been someone purposefully... Adding this, you know, quite, you know, some different elements. We're
1: we're not trying to debate it. We're talking about why this is my theory.
0: No, I understand. But I'm with you. I'm not against you right now. I'm going to beat you. I'm totally with you.
1: So they were the similar kind of outfits. Mm -hmm. The murders were very similar. It was couples.
0: Handguns.
1: They were approached often in a loving embrace type of situation. It's true.
0: He's like Jason Voorhees. He don't like that. They don't like
1: people heavy petting.
0: Yeah. What the hell? I bet. Is he the original incel? Oh Maybe my! Oh is. my God! Oh, see, this is fucking all. And the only part I what stands out to me when you first said it because it kind of like clicked. I was like, "Holy shit!" Is his ability to be calculated with his impulses? Yeah, it's
1: very control. His
0: control and, and the fact that he can stop and, and go away.
1: And then you were like, "Yeah, but so what are you saying? He quit in Texas, moved on to California, then became Zodiac, and then just quit." We well, have to realize those murders were so there were so years between right? those. Yeah, quite a long yeah. time. Yeah, so you had Zodiac in what, like the sixties, late seventies, yeah. like somewhere, in and that then time. that one's in late fifties, forties into the fifties. Yeah, think, okay. You know, he was older, so maybe right. he just gave maybe it up he died. He died, whatever. Yeah. So that's my theory.
0: Did we just solve...
1: Heather putting it down right here. My theory, Texarkana Killer became the Zodiac
0: Killer. We just solved two huge, notorious true crime things.
1: Let the millions start rolling Okay,
0: thanks guys. And we're we're happy to put this on t-shirts and we want all the sponsors.
1: Mama needs Botox and and some new shoes.
0: Yeah. yeah. I don't
1: need new shoes, do I? No,
0: Daddy needs a new car. So you guys just go ahead and send us a few million. I'm just kidding.
1: We want a hearse.
0: Okay. Yeah, we do want a hearse. We will get one. So um, I think it, we have one more thing there on your list.
1: Oh, we want to give a shout hey. out to our new patron. Topping out at the highest level.
0: Another top tier patron, David. Thank
1: you, David. Thank you we so very much. for your support. You special patron, you.
0: And don't forget, at the top tier level, David, you're welcome at all our live events. You will be on the VIP list.
1: That's true. So hopefully very people true. come out in January. We'll talk more about that. I like to call it business in the front, party in the back. Our yes. podcast is like a mullet. We address the business in the front. And, and then at the we end get of the show, to the we party. Party. Exactly. Okay.
0: All right. Sorry,
1: I'm very inappropriate. That is my phone going off.
0: That is okay. We're going to leave that because it reminds <laughs> people that we're uh, not professionals.
1: We're real people here, y'all. That's actually your daughter. She's like, when's dad coming to pick me up? I'm it's real True Crime like, fans
0: doing real... Never! Po- you oh, are yeah.
1: on your own from here henceforth.
0: <laughs> Thou hast been disowned. <laughs> okay, so now...
1: This brings us to another piece of the puzzling story. We're talking about the mine shaft murders and motorcycle
0: mayhem. Part two, y'all. I'm giving
1: y'all a mayhem sandwich with some mayhem
0: Okay, so um, are we just going to dive straight in where we left off? We are. Okay, so I'm so excited to hear the second part.
1: Now, if you remember in the first episode.
0: Holy shit, my mind's been reeling, honestly.
1: Lonnie Gamboa. Yes. The gentleman who ended up at the bottom of that mine shaft. Right. He was really good friends with a guy named Thomas Forrester. Forrester is more of a small-time drug dealer and a user in the Asheville area. He was self-employed as an auto mechanic, and he was married and had a son. Now, the pair were arrested in November during that raid with Miller and Hathaway.
0: Oh, uh, the one on Moffat Branch? Moffat Branch. Okay. Is,
1: you are correct, sir. Forrester and his girlfriend Darlene, who was a prostitute, addict, and sometimes drug runner, were staying at a motel. After the raid, Forrester had Hadaway's motorcycle, and Hadaway is going to believe that Forrester has stolen This motorcycle.
0: Dude, I can't even believe he's fucking with his hog.
1: And about six pounds of Miller's cocaine in a suitcase.
0: Oh, yeah. And there's that. (laughs) So, after the
1: raid, he gets arrested. Once he's released, he manages to make off with Hathaway's motorcycle and all this beautiful snow.
0: That's a lot of nose candy. Dreaming of a white Christmas. Oh, man. Back then, it was the good stuff, too, wasn't it?
1: This is like disco coke.
0: Oh, Yeah. It's that yeah. Peruvian flag. This is baby. like
1: Mr. Miami nightlife oh, with his yes. disco
0: coke. Yes, hardly stepped on.
1: They're listening to Steely Dan. They're partying.
0: Of course, I don't advocate drug use.
1: <laughs> Two weeks before Gamble was murder, Hadaway. Now you have to remember he was on the lam. He managed to sneak away after the raid. Right. While it was happening. Yeah. He high-tailed it on out of there. He's like, "Go on, take the money and run."
0: And they're rounding up everybody, and they're and the cops are just probably like freaking run around with fucking full raging hard-ons. They're so happy to have discovered this, right?
1: Right. So Hathaway has slipped off. Well, he returns back to Asheville,
0: okay, after being gone
1: for about two weeks or so. Cause weeks. he's got
0: shit he's got to well, take I mean, care I guess of. This is
1: probably about four weeks. Right. These are some
0: heavy hitters. They got shit they got to do.
1: He and Miller want to find the motorcycle and the drugs. Naturally, Forrester also owes them about twelve hundred dollars in cash, which, in the grand scheme of the story, is chump change. Considering it is. Lonnie Gamboa owed them about ten times that amount.
0: Well, in the suitcase of coke alone, I mean, come on, that—that's—that is chump change. That'd be what about thirty-six hundred bucks? But Probably. it's also. They take this shit as it's insult to injury on top of everything else. You owe me money,
1: Sarge. You may recall him from the first part. He's the guy who owns Sarge's Lounge, the former army
0: right soldier. He's like the anchor to all this. Who almost, it's
1: kind of like yeah. All these people kind of gravitate a good way to around. Describe him, yeah. He's like the sun, and all these players are orbiting.
0: Oh, okay, I go. like that.
1: Sarge meets up with a pair in one of those back room conferences. Okay. A plumber named Danny Roberts is there. He has a van which Sarge tells the fellows they can use to track down Forrester. Okay. Roberts is also showing the men how he has these white plumbing pipes that they can use to transport drugs. Ah. They're gonna be able to stuff the cocaine and the drugs down in these pipes.
0: Yeah, strap them to the roofs on I mean, Yeah, that's a pretty good so just yet another scheme, another little part to this full-blown criminal organization.
1: Exactly. The three, Hathaway, Miller, and Roberts, go to a man named Jay Fagel's house. So Fagel is friends with Forrester, so they figure they can coerce him into giving up Forrester's location.
0: Oh my gosh, this is like true romance. It's like when they come to Brad Pitt smoking the weed out of the little honey bear. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Fagel is home with his nine-year-old son. But okay. these guys... I mean, they don't care.
0: Nah, these guys don't give a damn.
1: They bust up in the house demanding to know where Forrester is and threaten Fagel and his son. Okay. So you give up his location, you tell us where he is, or we're going to fucking blow your heads off, basically.
0: Jesus, poor little boy.
1: Can you imagine? Caught that has this to be this
0: bullshit of his dad.
1: Traumatic. Yeah, I know.
0: Even though, I guess it's not even his dad's bullshit, really. It just happens to know this other guy.
1: Well, again, it's, you know, your circle of friends, man. That's true. Birds of a feather, they say. Yeah. Fagel tells them that Forrester is shacked up at a motel on Tunnel Road in Asheville, the in-town motel, which is still there.
0: I bet it was a high-quality place then, and it's an even better place now.
1: One thing I've noticed, this is just a side note, with these people who are involved in this sort of drug culture, is that they seem to be transient and want to stay in motels.
0: I've never understood that. Like this
1: motel living. Yeah. And I just think... In the end, long term, isn't it more cost effective to just rent an apartment?
0: Oh wait, well, I think I don't know. Or what... Do you
1: think it's just the moving around? I think so it's they the don't m- get moving caught.
0: around, and also, you know, along with the, all this life, you get traffic. You know, uh, people that stand out, and like if you're at one place, you know, the old timer up the road is going to see every damn thing you do. You know, you always got that nosy old biddy around, and I think they like I to be. I am able-
1: that nosy old biddy. <laughs> I see you. I'm going to call the cops.
0: But, no, and then if uh, the shit goes down, say you have a fight or, a, you know, a loud scene, you can just pack your shit up, throw it in a car or whatever, be out. So, I mean, and I don't, I've never understood. I wouldn't be comfortable being in a hotel doing all this stuff.
1: Well, that, also, I just have, like, a weird thing about staying in hotel well, rooms. Well,
0: these are, these are damn. Do
1: you know these are some seedy Dusty. Probably $25 a night. Yes. Shitholes. Right. Right? Right, but. Where there's probably crusty sheets on the bed, oh. and oh. who knows what else.
0: Uh, boy, don't take an ultraviolet light in there. No. Nah.
1: This, I'll have to tell you about this one time I stayed in this motel in Athens, Georgia. Yeah. For roller derby, we like rented this room downtown. Oh, I think you told so me about that. we could be that. like close. Walking distance. Wasn't there a crime, of,
0: a crime scene in the bathroom?
1: There was like fucking blood all up in the floor <laughs> oh, and puppets and shit. Yeah, fuck me. so I'll tell you about that. I have a crack motel
0: topic. story too. It is
1: like it was the nastiest, yeah. and it didn't have bad reviews, so I was like, "What the fuck? Oh my god!" Anyway, so they're piled up in this motel. They tell Fagel, "You are going to come with us. You have to go with us to the motel, so we know you're not lying, and you have to bring your son along."
0: Oh my god!
1: That as a parent, that would be. Fucking scary.
0: Yeah, I would rather leave the nine year old unsupervised and go off with these people than make them, make me bring him along.
1: And these are some mean people.
0: Big, bur- oh, God. I mean,
1: if, if someone is willing to pull a gun on you and your child, they're probably willing to shoot you and your child.
0: Yeah, or they're definitely willing to, um, Traumatize the living hell out of your child as leverage against you. I mean, who knows what they're willing to do?
1: They want a son pile in the van. Now, once they get to the motel, Thomas Forrester refuses to let them inside the room. These guys are standing outside. They're banging on the doors. They're cussing. So he's, he's took him to where Forrester door. is. Yeah, Forrester's in the room, and he's not letting them in. There's a huge commotion. It's starting to attract attention. I would
0: call the police.
1: And Darlene who was Thomas Forrester's girlfriend, remember? She had gone next door to a restaurant to pick up some food. As she's coming back, she's approaching the motel room. She sees Miller, Hathaway, Fagel standing there, basically, banging on the door.
0: Yeah, being loud.
1: Let us in. We're going to fuck you up if you don't open the door. She immediately kind of freezes Oh my God, right? Like what the fuck? Uh-uh. Well Miller sees her. Oh uh, shit. Pulls out a gun, forces her, you come over, join us, basically uses her to persuade Forrester to open the door.
0: I'm telling you, I would even no matter what trouble as being Forrester in the hotel room with the Coke and all that stuff, I would call I would call the damn police. I'm not kidding. I would call the police and I would take whatever charges and all that bullshit. Let's do it. But yeah, these guys. Who knows what these guys are capable of?
1: Forster finally gives up. They force their way into this hotel room. This
0: All hotel. right, and everybody keeps their mouths. That's why you do this shit in a seedy-ass hotel, because nobody is going to call the police. Nobody's going to complain about loud ruckus. Because
1: everybody else. Because
0: everybody else is doing shady some stuff. shady shit.
1: Side note, again, I <laughs> I had discussed with someone who worked at a motel in Asheville, they're really funny about allowing locals yeah. to rent rooms.
0: Right, there's that whole thing, yeah. And you have to
1: pay like a huge deposit. Or like,
0: yeah, or your address on your license has to be 40 miles like 30 away. 30 40 miles away, yeah.
1: exactly. Um, and they told me that part of that is because of these types of situations. Right. Because there were were so many drug problems right. in the 80s and 90s, yeah. and I guess still today. And
0: now when a regular person wants to rent a room... Um, like, we just
1: want to go out and get drunk and don't yeah. want to drive home. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, you'll run into that problem. What happens is you end up in a dusty-ass, the in-town hotel on fucking Tunnel Road where they don't care. <laughs>
1: Inside the room, Darlene and Forrester are strip-searched. Forrester is pistol-whipped. Now, he admits he does have Hathaway's motorcycle, and he has it parked outside.
0: Okay. Well, you I mean,
1: first things first here, you do not fuck with a biker's
0: motorcycle. You don't touch it. No. You damn sure don't take it. No. Oh, my God.
1: Especially not a guy like Hadaway.
0: No, I mean, now you're down to, like, if you uh, disrespect someone in prison or something, you put them in a position where they have to get you back for that, or the rest of the biker guys are not going to respect them.
1: Hadaway and the men load the bike in the back of the van.
0: Okay, so he's got his bike, got the van, got Forrester. All right.
1: Forrester and his girlfriend do not have the drugs or the money that they owe. surprise. Surprise. These are addicts. These are users. These are also small-time drug dealers. Right. The last thing they're going to do is have this suitcase full of coke. Right. They have already snorted that coke and
0: or sold it all. That's a lot of coke. They don't the have co- they don't have the coke or the money neither. Oh my god.
1: They're forced into the van as well and they're tied up. All right. Danny Roberts says, hey, I don't want to be part of this. The
0: poor plumber. (laughs) I
1: am lending you my van. I had this idea to help you guys transport these drugs.
0: Right. in, In a
1: nice kind of hidden fashion. But when it comes to... Pulling guns out on people. Pistol
0: whipping people. Pistol
1: whipping people. Strip
0: searching them. Essentially
1: kidnapping people. We got a fucking kid. I just am ready to check out.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he's just like, take the van, drop it off, let me know where it's at. I want to go be away from this.
1: He asks to be dropped off. Robert Fagel and his son, I'm sorry, Robert's Fagel and his son are dropped off at a drive-in theater nearby. Which you know was the motherfucking Dreamland Theater. Remember that? Holy Dreamland shit, drive-in. it has it to be. It was a flea market. Yeah. It's right there on Tunnel Road. It was the
0: best flea market, too.
1: Memories. Man. of the way Asheville. Not the a fucking Lowe's. Exactly. So I just thought that was kind of funny because uh, I would go to that flea market on the weekends with my nana. That was a big flea every market. Every Saturday. It was so you go fun. to the drive-in flea market theater place. Once Miller and Hathaway have the couple alone in the van, Miller tells them that they may be able to work out a deal. Okay. You owe us money. Right. You owe us even more money because you had our drugs.
0: That was a lot of coke. Where's the coke? Exactly. Yeah.
1: We can work out a deal. And I'm guessing if you're on the other end of this bargain, (laughs) sounds like a pretty good deal.
0: Well, it's a chance anyway. Right. Because it's not looking good so far.
1: The man tells them that they're going to go to Tennessee, and they have to go see the big drug boss.
0: No, I don't want to do that.
1: They're going to work out some way for the money to be paid. Okay. Here's you an offer you can't refuse. We're going to go see the Godfather on the day of his daughter's wedding, right? Okay. On the way to Tennessee, Hadaway suddenly changes his mind, tells Miller he wants to take him to the other place. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, they ain't going to Chuck E. Cheese here. They're going no. to another place. They turn around and head back into North Carolina. At this point, the pair is blindfolded.
0: Okay, see, now I'm not feeling good about this. If I'm them. I'm tied up. Right. Now
1: I'm blindfolded. I'm being told I'm going to the other place. I've
0: been pissed. Pistol- the dude's been pistol whipped. That's got to be very bad. I could just... Uh, be- I've clung- seen a
1: lot, more, a lot of Martin Scorsese films in my day, and I'm going to say this does not sound good.
0: No, a clunk of steel and someone just beating you through the face and cutting uh sharp edges. Pistol whipping always would, like kinda of freak me out if I got pistol whipped. That'd be horrible.
1: Yeah, it's pretty scary.
0: Yeah, I'd rather be hit.
1: You think with so? Fist.
0: Oh yeah. Just a chunk of I just mean, filling a gun, you know. You just, just
1: know afterwards you're gonna be walking around with a crooked face.
0: Oh, but just have having someone hit you hard as they can with a damn pistol. Ugh. God, that'd be horrible. It makes
1: me think of Homer Simpson with the pistol whip, and it's like he's just sticking the pistol inside the whipped cream and like, mm, <laughs> pistol whip. Okay. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm ADD. I'm easily disappointed.
0: Okay, so now they've changed plans, tied up, blindfolded, and they don't know what the hell the other place is, I'm sure. Right. Okay.
1: Callahan recalls, and that's Darlene. I've been calling her Darlene this whole time, but her name is Darlene Callahan, recalls arriving at a location where Forrester is taken out of the van. While they're sitting in the van, she's left alone with Miller. Okay. He starts telling her that she can work off the money. If the decision is that Forrester is allowed to live, they'll let her live. If Forrester fucks up his chances, then she's going to die.
0: Okay. Wow. Thanks for connecting me to him.
1: She's crying and scared. Right. Out of her mind. Miller tells her that maybe they can take her to Chicago where she can work off some of the money.
0: Okay. Maybe they just need, like, a secretary or something up there.
1: Miller's like, "Mm, in about a year, your debt will be paid off and we'll let you go.
0: So you guys just want me to be your personal assistant and, like, run errands and things? Is that what you need?
1: Darlene agrees to go to Chicago and work as a prostitute.
0: Ah, fuck.
1: And she's already been doing this in Asheville but I guess she says okay, because... She's just trying to live. ...the other option. Yeah. When Hathaway returns, Miller informs him that she can be used in Chicago and that she agrees to go work off the debt. Okay. The pair drives Darlene up to Chicago. Miller has sex with her, which, let's face it, he rapes her several times on the drive up.
0: Which is another horrible thing.
1: Once they arrive, the fellows introduced Darlene to a man named Marty Curran. And Curran is an outlaw motorcycle club member. Okay. He is a big-time biker.
0: Right, and you're just going to take me straight to a sex ring in Chicago. And yet another tendril of this, or is it tentacle? Yes, another branch of this criminal organization. I mean, this is a full-blown, that's what blows my mind about the story. Full-blown, these guys are real. These guys are not petty criminals.
1: No, they're not. Just to give you a little background, a little history lesson, if you will, motorcycle clubs can be divided into two groups. We kind of touched on this in the first episode. You have the conventional motorcycle clubs, the kinds who... Do the toy runs. Drinking
0: beer, camaraderie, brotherhood.
1: Probably work a regular nine-to-five job. Yes. They're kind of the weekend warrior they types. They do a lot
0: of good things for the community. Yeah. Yes. And Great guys. it's really guys. just
1: kind of a way to pal around, to get right. out, hit the open road. You bring your wives. Yeah. Your girlfriends. Everybody's having a good time. Right. And then you have the deviant group. Okay. The one percenters, as they are called... In the United States are involved in international criminal networks, dealing in narcotics, human trafficking, which we're discussing right now.
0: Yeah, all extortion, that.
1: Extortion, kidnapping, firearms, money laundering, it's you name it.
0: Criminal organization. It's just like the mob, except their own bikes.
1: In the United States, there are four major players in the motorcycle club crime circuit. Now, of course, there are lots of clubs. Right. But the big to-do here in the U.S., you've got the Hells Angels, the Banditos, Pagans, and the Outlaws. Oh. Now, the Outlaws Motorcycle Club was founded in Chicago in that area around 1935. Their motto is, God forgives, Outlaws don't. I mean, these are some bad mama
0: There you go. I'm going to kill you.
1: Currently, they have around 48 chapters in 23 states estimated probably 1,700 members. Oh, see. Nationally.
0: And that's why they're called the One Percenters.
1: It is thought to be the oldest outlaw motorcycle club. Really? Hence the name, The Outlaws.
0: Well, yeah, because you got these tens of thousands, maybe even mil- you know hundreds of thousands of other people who are bike enthusiasts, but this is a very small group of real motherfuckers.
1: And if you've never spent much time watching Gangland and yeah. those types of shows... Just to let you know, outlaws and Hell's Angels are rivals.
0: They don't like each other.
1: They do not. No. Nope. And outlaws have a saying, "Adios," which means angels die in outlaw states.
0: Oh, okay. So basically, it's just no different than the LA gangbangers and stuff. You know, you don't matter who you with. You see your rival, shit's going down. Right. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah, that's a real. <laughs> do
1: not care for each other. Yeah. And it's rare to find chapters of these clubs. Within a certain radius,
0: probably for the best.
1: Yeah. <laughs> huh. The following day, they take her to meet a guy named Stymac. I mentioned him before in the first episode, Westside Tommy Stymac. Now he's the vice president of the Chicago area outlaws. A really bad dude.
0: It's like every person they take her to, they just took her straight into the heart of the beast. I mean, these are not posers. These are not people acting, and playing and gangster. These are real fuckers.
1: No, and these criminal organizations, much like the military, have a chain of command. And they
0: took her straight to they the top. They
1: have people in charge. Yeah. Yeah. They ain't fucking around. No. Stymac takes Darlene to another outlaw, George Burroughs. He is Canadian.
0: Huh. Hey. I I'm an wonder, outlaw biker, eh? Instead
1: of like the leather jacket, does he just wear like a denim? He's got the Canadian tuxedo. Yeah, he
0: pulls out like a. Suitcase full of maple syrup. Exactly. Talking about high quality maple syrup.
1: It's um, It's been smuggled in.
0: Yeah. Well, that, the maple syrup barons.
1: <laughs> Some duty free maple syrup. <laughs>
0: Ooh, she said duty. Oh, shut up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> George Burroughs is a Canadian outlaw. He had been supplying Miller and Hathaway with Canadian blue valium. Burroughs proceeds to have sex with Darlene. Afterwards tells her she passes the litmus test for prostitution work.
0: So disgusting.
1: I mean, I really don't know what exactly, what test you would have to pass to be a prostitute, but okay. I'm
0: sure she was so relieved. Maybe at least she can be like, well, okay, they're going to let me stay alive.
1: She was like, that's right. This pussy certified. It's uh, a, a weapon of mass destruction. It's the bomb. You think she was saying that shit?
0: No, she's probably crying because yep. she's been raped multiple times at this point.
1: Why? No? I'm just joking around about the you, <laughs> you passed the test. It's like what fucking? <laughs> I test?
0: know who the fuck are you supposed to be. I mean,
1: goddamn. Anyway, yeah. okay. So the pair then drive her to Stymax's house, which is in Hinsdale, Illinois. They introduce Darlene to Tony Summers, Stymax's old lady.
0: Oh, hey, a female. F- maybe we can be friends.
1: Tony Summers works at Club Algiers, a strip club where many of the dancers double as sex workers. Huh. Oh. While staying at Stymac, she is forced to have sex with Burroughs again, Stymac, and Summers. Oh. As well as other outlaws who drop in and out of the house.
0: She's not my friend. She's a rapist just like them.
1: At some point, she spends a week at an outlaws training compound in Indiana.
0: Oh, my God.
1: During this time, Darlene witnesses many underage girls hanging around having sex with bikers. Most of them are using drugs. For about six weeks, she's held captive, always with one of the men, and never alone with a phone. If they are in a hotel room, they will rip the phone out of the wall. Right. Throw it out, put it in the trash. Yeah. So that if they go in the bathroom, anything, she's not allowed to be alone with a phone. Right. Someone is constantly supervising her. So she's a, I mean, she's a sex slave.
0: Yeah. She's she's been kidnapped and she's continuing to be held against her will this entire time. And back then it wouldn't be that hard to control. All you got to do is worry about the one phone in the house or whatever.
1: You've got to remember, she's scared. Right. Hadaway informed her that the outlaws are tied up with the Chicago mafia. If she fucks up. She'll be put in a Dempsey Dumpster.
0: Oh, that sounds like a really cute dumpster.
1: I just imagine him like one of those 1930s gangsters. like Yeah, yeah. You, you... see? You'll end up in a Dempsey Dumpster, you see? Yeah, you yeah, rat. You crazy dame. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> All these skirts. Anyway, <laughs> she has not been able to speak to her family for over a month. They have no idea where she is, and she's not seen her boyfriend either. Because remember, he was taken out of the van... Yeah. told, hey, we may kill him, we may not. If we kill him, we're going to kill you. She's probably hoping, okay, he's still alive somewhere. They've sent him to work. Because they kind of talked about giving him a job working the boats in Florida. Wow. To work off his debt. Okay. Assuming, like, helping with the transporting of the cocaine and marijuana that was coming in through the ports in Miami. It's
0: almost like a game for these guys, because let's be honest, how long would it actually take for you to work off hundreds of thousands of dollars prostituting or physical labor But it's like a game, a control, just like, look how badass we are, you know what I mean?
1: And that's the part in all of this story, is that this poor woman has been kidnapped. She hasn't been able to talk to her family. They have no idea where she is. They're telling her we're tied up with the mafia. We will kill you. She
0: probably everybody she sees they're they're all bad people. So exactly. she believes them she it's is true.
1: Being groomed to be afraid. Yeah. To not try to leave the situation. Whoever
0: points at her gets to have sex with her if they want. I mean, rape, basically raped over and over, over, and over. It's horrible.
1: Yeah, they have no idea. I mean, they have no idea where she is. Her family. She hasn't seen her boyfriend. Doesn't know where he is. Is he alive?
0: And all this because she's with Dude in a damn hotel room.
1: What Darlene does not know is Tommy Forrester is missing and no one has seen him since that day in December.
0: That's not good. Early
1: December. What Darlene also does not know is a recovery effort and investigation has begun in the death of Lonnie Gamboa.
0: At the mine shaft?
1: And possibly her boyfriend, Thomas Forrester. The Ore Knob Mine was dormant since the Civil War. Wow. The investigating agencies reached out to the Department of Mines, which now falls under the Department of Energy, for guidance in navigating this mine.
0: Right. So we got this old-ass mine. We think there might be a body down there. What do you think?
1: The government agency advised against even going in there. They said that it could easily collapse, cave in... Super dangerous. Right. They were not going to help assist in this. We're not going to offer up any uh, engineers, rescue folks. If you want to investigate this and find a body, you're on your own.
0: And that's the experts. They're saying it's very old mine with very, you know, rather simple technology. 1800, you know, whatever. Mid-1800s, dug by hand. I mean, Very you know what I mean? Yeah, old timbers. We
1: don't want to have any part of this yeah. and we advise do you do not go in there. Do not. Nobody. Recovery of the bodies was going to be an ordeal.
0: Now this this part of the story blows my fucking mind. It is <laughs> I
1: mean, This whole story. Yeah.
0: So so they want the investigators want to go in, I'm keeping it straight in my head. They want to go in there and see if there's a body or more than one body, but no one there's no safe way to go in there.
1: And if you recall, how do they know Lonnie Gambo is in the bottom of the mine shaft? Remember JoJo Vines? Right. Kojak?
0: Threw him in.
1: Informant? Yeah. Has alerted the authorities.
0: He finally got a hold of his contact and said this all has happened.
1: Again, recovery of the bodies, huge ordeal. A stuntman who only wanted to be known as the Nashville Flame...
0: The audio of that guy is incredible.
1: I'm going to see if I can scrape up that audio and we will play some.
0: I love that.
1: Nashville Flame was repelled down 250 feet to recover the two bodies. They had a crane, pulley, a rope system. They're strapping him in. So
0: instead of trying to repel off the walls or anything, they're basically taking the mine out of the equation. They're lowering him straight down into it. And now he was just in the area working on some, another project, right? We'll get
1: into the Nashville Yeah, okay. Flame.
0: Oh, my. The, the Nashville flame.
1: The bodies were frozen. Individually, they had to be dug up from the ground. Okay. Because they are frozen kind of into the ground. All right. And been so long in these frigid right. temperatures, the elements. This is winter of 1981.
0: Yeah, they used to be colder here, I think.
1: So they had to do a total of two trips down into this dangerous, like, crater type of hole.
0: So they're lowering the Nashville Flame into the hole from a fucking crane.
1: Let's talk about the Nashville Flame. Please. That's his official name. He had it legally changed, by the way, to the Nashville Flame. He was born in Cherokee, North Carolina, lives in Nashville, and happened to be in Brevard, North Carolina, filming a movie. When he heard the story about these two murder victims broadcast on the news. He volunteered to go down into the mine and help recover the bodies. And he did this for free. They didn't pay him. He volunteered to do it. Yeah. Which I th- think is pretty cool.
0: No, oh, it's awesome.
1: Plus, okay, so we watched a news interview with the flame. Yeah. And he talked about, he he wrote a song about all of this. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess is like a pretty sweet murder ballad. Oh, yeah. And was trying to sell... Copies of his song.
0: Okay. So
1: he could recoup some of the money, right? That he felt he
0: deserved for going into the mine. Yeah, but at the same time, he re- he reiterated that he just wanted to help.
1: Darlene is finally left alone on January the twenty fifth, which is the day Forrester and Gamboa were pulled from the mine.
0: Wow, that's funny. So it
1: seems like someone got word that this is happening, and they decide to kind of just jump ship.
0: They just cut her loose?
1: They leave her alone.
0: For the first time. In a motel room for the first time.
1: She calls home to her mother, who tells her Tommy is dead. Darlene lets her mother know she's in Chicago. Now, at some point, I think just a day or two before this, they let her call home And tell her mother she hadn't been kidnapped and she was there of her own volition. Right. But they were forcing her to do this. She calls back, tells her mom, no, I've been kidnapped, I'm here. Finds out this information about Tommy. Her mom gives her the phone number for the FBI. Okay. She gives them a call. Eventually, she's brought back to North Carolina. And during the pre-trial days, she receives death threats. And is eventually placed in like witness protection.
0: I can't believe they did just take her out in some, you know, lonely spot there in Illinois and just, you know kill her. I'm I'm totally surprised.
1: JoJo Vines is charged with first degree murder, along with Paul Bear. Both are sentenced to life in prison.
0: So the informant got first degree murder for throwing Gamboa in the hole. Yeah, in the mine shaft. Yeah. I find that a little interesting. I mean, though he was just an informant, he was not an undercover. Kind know there's some... You know, leeway, there's some pretty...
1: Perhaps.
0: Li- there's some pretty good leeway and leniency sometimes with these deep, deep cover um, officers because they have to do bad shit to get in tight with these really bad people. So, uh, but I'm still surprised, kind of first degree. You know, maybe...
1: Well, and you would think in exchange for his testimony, well, I'm saying that he he would the, get some kind of immunity. Well, at least
0: down to man's side. and I'm I'm not saying that what he that was horrible, but I mean that was if you look at the whole story, he was kind of in a really crazy situation.
1: Well, I think most of us in a life or death situation,
0: uh, yeah, us or
1: them mentality would is going to kick in.
0: Your, yeah, yeah, your uh, basic instincts are going to kick in.
1: I think morally, we can all say it would put us in a really tough spot.
0: And I think he saved many more lives by um, what he did and uh, informing on these very, very bad people.
1: Gary Miller is charged with second-degree murder and two counts of first-degree kidnapping. He's given a 90-year life sentence. I'm sorry, a 90-year sentence. Okay. Which basically is going to be like a life sentence. Basically. Alan Hathaway was given a 90-year sentence for two counts of first-degree kidnapping and second-degree murder. Wow. During the trial, information was released showing that Stimac had made several trips to North Carolina, including during the Labor Day 1981 weekend, to deliver Canadian Blue Valium to both Forrester and Gamboa. Hathaway asked Forrester to go to Florida and buy cocaine several times, explaining that Stimac would be the money-backer for any drugs they bought. Okay. I'm going to send you on these trips. Money is no object. We've got Stimac. Westside Tommy is going to front any mo- any money you need.
0: Right. Damn.
1: In October, just before the Moffett Branch raid, Miller, Gamboa, and Forrester had all gone to Florida together to buy cocaine.
0: Okay, so they're doing these large drug runs.
1: They are. In August of 1982, after everyone's arrested, Miller was involved in a sting operation where he tried to hire a contract killer to take out Darlene Callahan and Jojo Vines.
0: After all the trials and stuff, or before the trial? This
1: is while he's like awaiting.
0: He's okay. Jail, like all awaiting. right, so get rid of the witnesses.
1: Yeah, he's all been right. arrested. They haven't gone to trial okay. yet. An ATF agent took a call from Miller's relative.
0: It's hard to find a real tra- contract killer. I'm just going to say
1: And that. he was charged... Once more, with more, you know. Yeah,
0: like it matters at that point, <laughs> right. to be honest.
1: According to the Department of Corrections, Miller, Vines, and Hathaway are free men now. Really, Bear, Papa Bear, yeah, died in prison in nineteen eighty nine.
0: Okay, just
1: so a few years after all of this.
0: So Bear died in prison, and the other three guys made it out alive, even though they was quite, spent quite some time in jail.
1: Yeah, they all appealed.
0: Their yeah. sentences,
1: and right. were able to finagle the
0: Get it knocked down, justice knock down system, get chip it, it knocked down. down,
1: and they've all been released at this point.
0: Oh, yeah. I was listening to this thing the other day. Even if you give someone a 50 year sentence, you're like, oh, well, you know, if they're 30, 40 years old, that's basically life. No, not true. You could totally be out in like 12 or 15 years on 50 years. Is that crazy? It is. Yeah.
1: Stimek was tied to more murders in the Chicago area, including the 1981 murder of a dancer named Debbie Elmhurst. A car bomb meant for a girlfriend actually ended up killing John Climes, who was an outlaw known as Burrito huh. and had been really good friends with all of them. Okay. I guess his girlfriend, they knew she was going to testify. Right. So they planted this car bomb, but it ended up killing their buddy.
0: Yeah, that's why you just shoot somebody. Car bombs are kind of iffy.
1: Stymek was involved in another murder of a 17-year-old, Kimberly Callis, a dancer who was going to be a witness against Stymek.
0: These guys don't learn. These
1: dancers, Debbie, Kimberly, worked at that club Algiers. Yeah, there's
0: no telling what they see.
1: They see all sorts of stuff. Just
0: like um, poor Darlene, all that stuff she was supposed to.
1: Steinbeck is arrested and charged in the kidnapping of Darlene Callahan. And remember, this is going to be like state char- or the murders in North Carolina. They're going to be state charges, but this is going to be federal kidnapping, kidnapping is federal. because they've yeah. taken her across state lines, right. forcing her into prostitution, human trafficking. Right.
0: Now, that now the, the big difference there is federal time. You're basically going to do all of it. I think it's 85, 90 percent. State time, you know, you can get chipped down, you know, appeals and all that, or good behavior, all that stuff. But federal time, you're going to do your time. You're going to do probably.
1: I mean, federal, they would rather build a case against a big time player like Stymac.
0: Well, yeah. Well, and that's the other thing is you have the full weight of the American government on the prosecuting side, so there's a lot of resources there against you.
1: And just so you know, Stymac gets his just desserts in 1999. He's gunned down in front of his home by another rival biker.
0: Ha. Ha ha. You know, I wanted to be like a revenge movie where one of those dancers, like, you know, like they kill their good friend and shit, but then she like plays her part and gets in really deep and like, you know, and then she just fucking puts a gun and blows his dick off. Blows his dick off and then she just crams it in his she oh, she blows his dick off and then she takes his dick and chokes him with it. His dick. Would that be a good movie? Did we just write a? Movie? Is that is that a fucking heroin revenge movie?
1: Yes. Okay. I want. What are we gonna call it? <laughs> well, we need to write the movie for this because this whole case is so. Yeah.
0: No. Wild. No. Seriously. I, I want to call it "Choke on Your Own Dick." I want that's what I want to call the movie. I might have to play internationally. Okay. Okay, but this should be. I want Scorsese, Scorsese to head it up. And just let them, you know, just give I'll them free write reign.
1: It, we'll, free yeah.
0: reign. We'll bring it to Netflix. They'll back it. They'll let you do whatever. This movie's coming out.
1: If you recall, there were allegedly other bodies in the mines.
0: Yeah, they said what well, the number they said was like twenty-two or twenty-three. It was like thirty. Wow,
1: something wasn't it? Did yeah? I can't remember
0: when I was like twenty-three, and they were arguing over if it was twenty-two or three.
1: Though those other bodies perhaps were there, the police ordered having it filled in. Before any other investigations happened,
0: right? And just honestly, you know, they had a hard time getting the two that were recently thrown in there. It probably would put, you know, and you know, personnel in just too much danger to recover the bodies
1: and the cost.
0: If you could find them, and if even. you've got
1: to consider these are small towns like yeah. Ashe County, where the right. mine actually is,
0: and they could have been really boasting. Small, Who rural knows if county. it's true? Now, if they had concrete evidence that there was, they probably would have, you know.
1: Well, that's exactly what the state's attorney general said, and he closed the case altogether.
0: Wow, I bet some people got some promotions and shit on this thing.
1: Possibly lots of
0: lots lots of lieutenants and captains made in the law enforcement on this crap.
1: Yeah, so this was a big hit for the Outlaws motorcycle gang.
0: Yeah, and this is now uh, this instead of chasing users around and all that shit and locking them up constantly and just keeping the court systems clogged up. When they can get at the head of the dragon like this, that actually gets you somewhere in our alleged drug war. You know, yeah, they put a dent in this. I bet it took quite a while for the drug, um, you know, scene here to recover from a hit like this.
1: The whole story is, I think, just amazing.
0: It is amazing.
1: You've got all these parts, all these players, all these intricate pieces. Yes. Yeah.
0: Oh, could Dwayne Johnson be... Joseph Bonds? Maybe. Because... Uh, uh, okay. It's just hard
1: for me to imagine having grown up here in Western North Carolina, spending all the time in Asheville.
0: Yeah. And true crime, digging around. I
1: kid when this was happening, but it's just really hard for me to wrap my head around the large quantity of drugs huh. that were making their way into the mountains. Oh. I mean, I'm going to assume that if you were buying pot, cocaine... Valiant during that time, Quaaludes, Quaaludes. in the early 80s, or even in this area, you were likely getting it from these guys, they were or, supplying it,
0: or even the entertaining a lady of the night very well could be connected to this organization. Possibly. You could be funding this organization with well, your debauchery. I
1: don't know if they were really running prostitutes in Asheville. Okay, I mean, Darlene Callahan was a prostitute, but she was more of the Part-time.
0: Right. That, that,
1: making money for the drug fix.
0: Okay, that prostitution ring was based out of Chicago and probably controlled by other people.
1: Exa- well, the Chicago Mafia. Right. Exactly. Okay. But it's just... I what?
0: guarantee you what you just said about the drug, you likely, if during that time you were partying, bought drugs that were connected to this ring.
1: Yeah, I they, would they, say they, so, because they, they were definitely And the level,
0: they were likely possibly feeding the entire area.
1: Oh, definitely. From the very top. And that's just wild to think about.
0: And it's wild to think that we never heard this story before an incredible true crime podcast like Mountain Murders dug it up. That's right. In other words, Heather dug it up. Ha ha! It was all you, baby.
1: I'll be popping your cherries left and right, (laughs) y'all.
0: Okay. <laughs> Thanks for that.
1: Don't forget, you're the one who would want to chuck somebody out with a dick. Don't even. Ugh, look a at me joke at. on
0: your own dick. January I see the 18th, posters.
1: Mountain Murders live show. Get some. Hey. We have a Facebook event. Yeah. If go to our Mountain Murders page, you can find more information there. Tickets are $10. If you buy them online, we have a link in the event. Or you can head over to brownpapertickets.com on your smartphone, tablet, laptop, doot, 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 and buy yourself some tickets. $10 online, they'll be $12 at the door the day of the show.
0: Or you can become a top-tier patron here at Mountain Murders for $10 a month, and you can come on down and get the VIP treatment, y'all.
1: That's right, and you know, artists... They're supported by patrons.
0: That's true. Uh, We
1: make art happen.
0: This podcast is uh, totally listener-driven. We're we're like a little baby PBS, right? Aren't we?
1: No. Yeah. (laughs) No,
0: we are supported by listeners like you.
1: It's true. And And it's the only
0: reason we're able to continue.
1: And we are providing free entertainment. So if you enjoy what you're hearing, you want us to keep pumping out more interesting content stories like this that you've probably never heard before, Yeah. sign up to be a patron. You can sign up for as low as a dollar. Yes, we have
0: multiple tiers and you can start at a dollar. But you're going to
1: access more content. We have More cases that we post on Patreon just for our patrons. We have some
0: interesting conversations about weird stuff, too. We
1: do. We stray a little bit from true crime there. We talk about a lot of different stuff.
0: Yeah, we want to talk about in the near future about sockets who try to help cops.
1: When we get 20 patrons, I think we should do like a live video of us actually doing a case. Like, working a case.
0: Okay, let's do that.
1: Thanksgiving is approaching. We're going to have a special fat-free holiday episode
0: are oh. you on Thanksgiving? <laughs> are we? Yes. All right, let's do that. It's going
1: to be the dessert.
0: Okay, just keep pumping mountain Murders in your ear, folks. Thanks you for like listening.
1: That. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And as always, we love you guys. Hope you enjoyed this case.
0: Bye.